I do hope that you'll continue to reflect upon the image of the walk and all that it entails. It certainly reminds us in Palestine those days that people walked everywhere. And, and so that just brings a whole new concept of what it means for our relationship with God to be described as the walk. Let's dive in quickly. We don't have a lot of time, so let me try to grasp uh, what it means to walk and live into the spiritual practice of study. So I want to show a graphic here that talks about the state of the Bible. You may not be aware that every year the Barna Group uh, partners with the American Bible Society, and they do a quick survey and share what the state of the Bible is in our society, in our country. And they do this every year. And uh, it shows the percentages year after year of what goes up and what goes down. So just look at this quickly. You notice that the far left shares the Bible-centered uh, population in our society, and it's represented at 5%. The bad news is last year they showed that at 9%. And to talk about who is bible in centered is people that see the Bible as transforming their relationships, but also that it influences their decisions. The next category is Bible engaged. That figure went up from 17%, two points. And the difference there is that people don't seem to suggest the Bible impacts their choices as much, which certainly bothers me a little bit, but anyway. Um, then the middle category is Bible-friendly. That's people who consistently utilize the Bible, see it as a resource for wisdom and uh, truth and insight. And that figures up from 15% last year to 19%. Then there's Bible neutrals, people that can kind of give or take the Bible. Uh, that number uh, is uh, up from last year. And the number of uh, Bible engaged actually um, improved a little bit, disengaged there. Uh, from previous year, and that's people that just don't hardly ever touch at all. Now, the most disturbing trend that's been found in this year after year study is that since 2011, the number of people that never touch a Bible, never open a Bible, is up 35%. 35% of our society never, ever touches the Bible. And so that's what really kept me up this week, thinking about what can I share about the Bible? Because we all know we should read the Bible, can I encourage us? How can I be helpful to us? And, and here's what bothered me. Uh, I came across some things that reminded me of the challenges we have in our society that helps explain that 35% that never touch, that Bible disengage group that's so large, you put those two right columns together, that's over half our country could care less about the Bible. And that bothers me because this book has changed and transformed my life incredibly, shaped who I am helps me see the world differently and how I see God and how I see others. And it bothers me greatly that so many disrespect it and don't appreciate it. So I, I got a picture to throw up here that uh, shows this is an atheist organized group. This group's called the Backyard Skeptics. And they had signs that said things such as, smile, you're not alone. Millions are good without God. Another one said, worship me or I'll send you to eternal hell. Have a nice day. Sign God. Came across the video this week, and the person in that video was saying, you know, you don't need to read Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. All you got to do is read the Bible from cover to cover, and you'll get plenty of material to decide that God cannot exist. And he points out where the Bible condones slavery, talks about Lot offering his daughter to be raped by the townspeople, two difficult passages challenging, taking them out of context, their historical context. 
And, and then I came across on, on this uh, another site that tried to take a whole list of biblical contradictions. And here was one example. One place it says in the Bible, honor your father and thy mother. Of course, that's one of the Ten Commandments. And then they juxtapose this with a quote from Jesus who said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, brethren, sisters, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now talk about ripping things out of their context and trying to call them a contradiction. If you read your Bible, you know this isn't a contradiction. You know one is trying to implore the Jewish society to make sure they take care of their elderly. And then Jesus has pointed out that if you come follow me, sometimes it's going to put you in opposition to even your own family members. And that was put down by the writer of the Gospel, Luke, writing in a time in which family members did literally turn family members into the Roman authorities for persecution. Jesus' words rung true. And then there's this quote that came from that same site. Listen to this carefully. What is incredible about the Bible is not its divine authorship, it's that such a concoction of contradictory nonsense could be believed by anyone to have been written by an omniscient God. To do so, one would first have to not read the book, which is the practice of most Christians. Ouch. Or if one does read it, dump in the trash can one's rational intelligence to become a fool for God, in other words. That came from atheist.org. Now, what bothers me, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm really tired of being defensive with my faith. I'm especially tired of the Bible, which has been such a positive impact in my life, being made fun of and abused by those who don't really understand it. I hate to know that sometimes this book gets used against others to bring harm, and also know that sometimes this book ends up dividing us instead of bringing us together, which is certainly what God intends for the truth that's into it. And what I came up with this week is that pastors like me have not done a good enough job helping us have a sophisticated enough understanding of the Bible so we understand the purpose it serves and to be able to communicate that to others who don't appreciate it and to talk to people who are skeptical about faith in the Bible. So what I want to do is just share quickly four quick things to remind us of what this book was meant to be and how we ought to utilize it and explain it to others. And the first thing is we need to understand this is not one book. It wasn't come from one person or directly from the hand of God. It was written through people. It is a book of books, 66 books communicated through human beings in specific situations for specific times to bring people to faith in their time through their own ancient understandings. Just one quick example. You probably are not aware. What is the oldest piece of writing in the Bible? And I bet you would not guess it. We believe that it's likely coming from that first part of the book of Job. And you remember that story where God is... is interacting with Satan, and he makes this little deal that Job, he's so good, and Satan challenges him, well, put him through the test. And God says, yeah, go ahead. You can do whatever you want to him. Now, that image of God doesn't really fit with ours, does it? 
do we really see a God who's going to play around with people's lives and let Satan have his fun with them? We also can find in Genesis 1 where the word Elohim is used to refer to God. It literally means counsel of gods, and you'll notice in your Bible it should be interpreted in the plural. Now, the early Hebrews were not polygam they were not polytheistic, but they were henotheistic. They worshipped one God, but believed there were other gods. It wasn't until Genesis 12, when you come to Abraham, that you find that strict monotheism where there is one God. And I share that to suggest to you there's been always a development within Scripture, and it shows an evolution of our understanding of God and ourselves in the world. And you'll find that over and over again in the Bible. Secondly, I want to share with you that the biblical accounts, while they're rooted in history, to share theological truths, but in many cases they were never intended to be the objective history that we expect today. Let me give you just one quick example. We all know uh, that Ten Commandments movie, got Charlton Heston, and you got the parting of the Red Sea and the waters forming the two walls, and the people of Israel just walk through, seeing that water flowing on each side like two big water fountains, right? I don't think it happened that way. Sorry if you really like Charlton Heston. But we also know that the Hebrew, that many have translated in older translations as the Red Sea, because in the Hebrew scriptures, they didn't put the vowel points, that can also be interpreted as the Sea of Reeds. And we know historically that the Sea of Reeds was a place a little bit farther north, and it's an area that flooded and then went shallow in a matter of hours, over and over, from the forces of nature. It very well could be that's the site in which it occurred. The people of Israel were able to pass through, and then the Egyptians, when they came after them, the area could have flooded within a matter of hours. So again, it is a miracle of God, but the miracle is in the timing of God using natural forces instead of what some people sometimes do. Third, if we believe in the Bible, it's okay to appreciate some parts of the Bible over others. Uh, Biblical scholars like to call this that we have a canon within the canon of the Bible. The canon's considered the books that got included. There was books that didn't get included. But we all have our favorite parts. Most of us tend to prefer the Gospels or the writings of Paul over the Old Testament. And I want to tell you that's okay because Jesus did it. If you look at what Jesus in the Old Testament passages he quotes, he picks and chooses especially as he identified what his ministry would be like. If you read the Old Testament, you'll find prophecies about what the Messiah should look like, and some of them describe Jesus really well as the, that suffering servant, the one who won't bruise a reed. But there are others that describe a king, a political person who would make Israel great and one of the greatest nations of the world. And that's why many chose not to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But Jesus chose the ones of the suffering servant for the way his ministry would be modeled. It's okay to pick and choose. We read the whole Bible. And we also believe that all scripture is inspired by God. But it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that scripture is equal to each other in all parts. And finally, let me suggest to you that Jesus was not afraid to reinterpret scripture. 
Look at Mark 7. Jesus said, he said to them, don't you understand either? Don't you know that nothing from the outside that enters a person has the power to contaminate? That's because it doesn't enter into the heart but into the stomach, and it goes into the sewer. By saying this, Jesus declared that no food could contaminate a person in God's sight. Jesus has just taken all those dietary laws in the Jewish Torah, that Bible that all knew as their Bible at that time, and said, those are not important. And here's what I say to you. I could give you many other examples. What it means is that we read our whole Bible. We try to grasp and seek out the wisdom from our ancestors in the faith, from their understanding. And then we have to do the hard work, and we do it together, trying to discover what is descriptive truth that was valid in their culture and that time in history, and what is universal prescriptive truth that speaks to all persons in all times in all cultures. To do that work well, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. I hope when you open your Bibles, you pray for God to speak to you and share with you what he wants you to know that day. There are many, many passages that speak to us as if God's talking to us directly. So get into the scriptures, but be sophisticated enough to know so we can combat the challenges and claims of those who want to make fun of our faith and discredit us. Let them know that we understand the Bible's a complicated book. It's a book of books, but it's God's gift to us to help discover who he is, especially discover his son who is described as the word of God to us. So, I'll give you the challenge again. The open fingers, five verses a day, work up to five chapters a week, and find a place, even if that means finding just another person to read the Bible together through, to hold you accountable and help you understand.